Welcome to Beautiful Humans, the social change cast, where behavior analysis and social justice collide. Join us as we aim to move the needle on personal and social change by tapping into the beautiful humans inside of all of us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, or whatever medium you prefer to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at Beautiful Humans Change and on Facebook at Beautiful Humans, the social change cast. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to www.patreon.com slash beautifulhumans to become a Patreon. Welcome back, beautiful humans. This is Erin. And it's Denisha. We've got a super special podcast uh, episode prepared for you. This is our first CEU podcast of the year, um, of all time, actually, not just the year, right? Um, right? So we are super stoked about our guest tonight. Um, and for all of the, uh, what, Patreonic, Patreons, I have to get that language right, Patreons. Um, yeah. I've been calling yeah. them subscribers. Hey, I think Patreon that works. Subscribers, yeah. That works too. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of Patreons, we actually have a new Patreon. Um, I think as of this last week. So Melody has joined us. So that's awesome. So we've got a couple. Um, and just so you all know that one of the benefits um, of Patreons is that you get uh, free CEUs once per month through us. Um, and this will be the first opportunity for that. You super excited, Denisha? I am so excited. So if you are one of our Patreons, there are some stipulations to getting your CE. And so the first thing that you would need to do is one, well, if you're not a Patreon, subscribe first. After you do that, if you would like to collect a CE from us, then uh, shoot us an email and we will submit to you our form to give us your BACB number and any other information that we need to retrieve your certificate. So there are multiple steps involved. Sorry, the response effort is a little high, but <laughs> we thank you for being part of it regardless. You ready to do this? I'm so ready. Okay, ah. so to our listeners, let's tell you, tonight's episode is titled Sticks and Stones, the Intersection of Verbal Behavior and Immigration. And we have such a great guest with us who goes by the name of AJ Rodriguez. Close, AJ Rodrigue. AJ Rodrigue. Oh, look at me. <laughs> yeah, it's all about learning here. It's cool. It's all about That's learning. right. Absolutely. And so AJ is going to talk to us about um, obviously verbal behavior and immigration. And she's going to present a conceptual analysis of language used in policy, journalism, and everyday conversation related to immigration. And this is going to include illegal, alien, undocumented, immigrant, migrant, refugee. And I'm sure there's much more that she will cover. She's also going to talk about antecedents and consequences of verbal behavior related to immigration and immigrants. And we will talk about that on both the individual and personal level, as well as the systemic level. So AJ, without further ado, I am going to let you introduce yourself to our guest. All right. Hello, beautiful humans. I'm so, so excited to be here. I've been a fan of this project since the beginning. Um, so a little bit of boring stuff. I'm from Houston. I got my bachelor's in psychology from Loyola, New Orleans. My master's from uh, University of Houston, Clear Lake. Uh, I work in a center, early intervention, kids on the spectrum, and in 2016, I had two kids at the time, and I just remember sitting in my car and just like, 
about to lose it. And I'm like, how is it that I can have a master's in behavior analysis and I don't know what the hell I'm doing sometimes with these tiny, beautiful humans. So I started the Behavior Mama, um, which is specifically for clinical parents, BCBAs, BCABAs, uh, to become empowered and knowledgeable in like a community platform. So um, more recently, my interests have been related to maternal mental health, um, equality in the behavior analytic workforce, and just generally women kicking ass. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. You I think you embody the term woman kicking ass, if I can just say <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. You didn't even say like what you do CrossFit, right? I, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, we're going to talk about RFT and I feel like you say CrossFit and then people have all these different frames that are like, you know, she wears the special shoes and uh, tells yeah, everybody about the CrossFit. True. I know. Okay. So you're not doing like muscle ups and like all that stuff. I mean I, I mean, I never said I wasn't, but. Okay. See, so you can do all the stuff. You just don't wear the fancy shoes. So you still kick ass. Okay. Hey, babe, do you have the fancy shoes though? Do you own a pair? I mean, I may be on my third. It's fine. <laughs> you know, they're very reasonably priced. You know, you, you can wear them for various things <laughs> besides CrossFit. It's fine. It's fine. Totally I more so fine. just do it for the t-shirts, mostly. <laughs> you just ran a 5K. Are you, are you running a, a 5K soon? So like Wonder Woman is like my favorite superhero and there's a Wonder Woman run in Houston coming up. And really, like, I just like the chances to dress up in a costume and just run. So that's what I'm going to do. Actually, no, let me take that back. I like dressing up in costume. I don't like running. Um, but my mom does 10Ks all the time. And I thought this would be a pretty cool way for us to start doing stuff together. So mm, that's cool. Yeah, that is very cool. Um, yeah. I want to see the pictures of the Wonder Woman costume. I oh, love my. to see runs like that, yeah. fun runs. Oh my! Okay, well, <laughs> I'll send I'll send you like PG PG thirteen. You don't need to see all all this. That was AJ, if you send if you send me a picture of that, I'll send you a picture of the time I ran a five k as the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. You know deal. what? Okay. But here's the deal. Like you have a built-in fan. All right. So that's not even the same. It didn't matter. Oh, it was like the thing was like, I had to throw it away afterwards. It was so gross. <laughs> okay. You win. You win. That's true. Just so running, it, just just running, in a, running in a bag of germs and sweat. Okay. You win. You win. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Alan, we may have to, we may no. have to start. No, okay. <laughs> no. Keep this all the beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So yes, yes, badass. Um, kick ass. That's for real. Seriously, I saw you talk at Weibo last year, um, and that was that was awesome. You're a fantastic presenter. I'm super excited to have you here. So thanks. Um, yes. So Thanks. Yeah. So this topic started um, with me talking to Megan Kirby of Uncomfortable BCBA and of Uncomfortable X. And she she called me one day and she was just like, hey, what's going on? Because this is when all those all the big stuff was happening at the border of Texas. Right. And like all these camps and things like that. And she called me and she was just like, what do you think about about 
doing a talk related to like the language that we use, you know, and I never really thought about it like that. And I was like, you know what, that's a good point. Because as a Hispanic that lives in Texas, like just for example, with my last name, Rodrigue, it's my husband's from Louisiana. It's a very common last name in Louisiana. But here in Texas, people see me, I look Hispanic, and they all say Rodriguez. They think I just forgot the Z. You know what I mean? So those little things happen all the time. You know, you just never really, well, unless you're aware and you're woke to what's going on or you're trying to reach for it, you know, a lot of people are engaging in these conversations and they don't realize what they're reinforcing. So, you know, when we originally presented this, um, there was, it was important to us that, you know, we told the audience, like, you may be triggered, you know, like there's some personal stories here. There's some perspectives and honestly facts that are related to language used to describe immigration. And quite honestly, it's upsetting. It sucks because it's 2020, but this is where we are. I mean, I can tell you, I'm in Texas. I see it all the time. Um, but, you know, that's important. I just want to say that first. So if someone's listening, you're triggered by something, the intent is not to harm. We just want to make sure, you know, you're getting the education, the context, and know that you're not alone. So um, originally, Megan had found this scenario where a teacher in Fort Worth had accidentally live tweeted to Donald Trump asking for help to remove illegals from her classroom. And that's how she started off the talk. And and so I thought, okay, that was that was an old example. Let's see if I can find something newish. So I was looking in February, early February, and Donald Trump had just uh, retweeted a post about ICE officers arresting illegal aliens in California. And I thought, man, <laughs> that was months ago. <laughs> that was years ago. That was an example from 2018. And it's two years later and we're still doing this. You know, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not even on Twitter. But, you know, you turn on the news, you you it doesn't really matter where where you look. There's always some support of like this anti-immigrant rhetoric, you know? I mean, I don't know if you guys get that, you know, where you are, but here in in Texas, it's pretty it's pretty thick. It's pretty thick. What about where from where y'all are? Definitely. So, uh, I think y'all know that I was in New York for quite a few years. And so, when all the ice stuff first started happening and I guess I say ice stuff and that's mm -hmm. very like lazy to even say but when we first started hearing on our side about the ice raids hearing the rhetoric that was just around mm -hmm. it like who was involved in the conversation who people mm -hmm. assumed you know uh people who were swept up by ice to be um it was very pronounced. There was a situation that occurred around that time in a coffee shop with a mm -hmm. woman and a guy who was a lawyer. Like he owned a law firm in New York, went in and he, you know, spat out some really terrible things to this woman who's just working, doing her job. And mm -hmm. um, the community rallied around to her and to get him like, you know, ousted a little bit and to show like who this person was. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so the language in that air in New York is just a different place. We consider it to be, you know, New York City, I should say, mm -hmm. progressive mm -hmm. than the state in general. Um, mm -hmm. But that's not to say that 
that type of language does not exist. You know, folks calling uh, individuals illegals or uh, mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, like I said earlier, who they assume um, them to be, right, as a person. And I mm-hmm. think back to the language that we have heard from this president um, who likens um, undocumented folks or individuals to be, um, you know, rapist or uh, criminals mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's drawing that frame immediately and people take it um, because, you know, that is a learning process too. And they're just regurgitating it. Well, right yeah, it's cycle. It's just continuous pairing, pairing, yes. pairing, pairing, you know what I mean? And, and so I thought this was interesting. So when I was doing some research, I found that hate crimes have spiked since 9-11. Like currently, we are at the height. And, and to me, that's just crazy. <laughs> like, like, I don't think that's not a coincidence, you know, that all that's happening. And which made me think that, you know, with the recent um, shooting in El Paso, right? Like the guy that did it, kept talking about invasions you know what i mean like he kept using these terms that justified in his mind that what he was doing was okay and then when they exam like when people on fox news were examining his actions the anchor said uh if you use the term invasion it's not anti-hispanic it's a fact like as if they're trying to make people that are questioning like oh is that racist like oh it's okay it's not Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's with this continual pairing process. And so it's still happening. Um, and so when Megan and I were doing research on this, she had thought about it from an anthropologic perspective, like linguistic theory, right? So what she had discovered is like grouping occurs through language used to describe similar people in opposite groups. And so they get a sense of nationalism that arises out of this and it creates opportunities for people to unite and anyone that's not like that is considered a threat right so like if you use the example of 9-11 let's look at it like from a behavior perspective right so antecedent 9-11 event behavior using language to unite people create sense of belonging and then the consequence is anyone who acts or appears different is a threat you know so and you can look at this from a variety of different events you know but that one I thought was a, a pretty strong example. And then from on, you know, from our perspective, from a behaviorist theory, uh, RFT is really what made the most sense to me when we thought about a relational frame theory. These derived relational responses, stimulus pairing, transfer of stimulus control, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of literature specifically on RFT and um, how we talk about immigration, but there was one, it's a Dixon paper from 2003. And um, I can give you all the references for that. And actually I have to give a shout out to Jim Moore because he was the one that pointed me in that direction to find that paper. So that was super helpful. Um, and so I'm going to try my best here to describe a frame. This was originally a slide. So bear with me. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try my best here. So In that paper, they were analyzing a relational framework to account for prejudice that was developed from the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Okay, so 
again, bear with me here, especially listeners. I'm going to try to make sense of this. So let's pretend you've got a triangle. Okay. At the top of the triangle is your stimulus A. That's your September 11th attack. Okay. Stimulus B represents the feelings, private events, like rage, hate, and stimulus C are the exact images of the terrorists. So the relationship between A and B, the attack, the feelings of hate are taught through continuous learning and events that you see on TV. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay, please. All right. Okay, good. All right. Then the relationship between A and C, 9-11, and then the pics of the terrorists is taught through media connecting the photos of those people, the exact people that, you know, were involved in, uh, in the event. So now we have a derived relationship between stimulus B and C, right? So you have the feelings of hate, stimulus B, and stimulus C, the images of the terrorists, right? So now that's been created. So now let's pretend that we're adding stimulus D, which is a neutral, innocent member of Middle Eastern descent. So now what happens is there's a derived relationship between the stimulus C, the terrorist, and stimulus D, which is anyone that looks remotely close to a terrorist because of stimulus generalization, like formal similarities, you know? So that was the example um, that he had used. And I just thought that was so spot on. And it made me think of something that had specifically happened to me. And Aaron, I had talked about this um, at Weba, I think, when there was um, a Latino girl who stood up and she said, she said something like, you know, how do you, how do I get the mentorship that I need, um, you know, to become a BCBA? I don't remember who was on the panel, but they said something like, just find a good mentor. And I stood up and I was like, sis, I mean, there's some things that you're going to hear, some things that you're going to experience that that are going to suck, you know, and you have to experience it in order to know what to do in the future, you know. So this example that I'm about to give is I was a new director at my company. There was a family I'd been working with for like eight months uh, providing direct services and somewhere outside of therapy, the father Um, had found out that I wasn't a behavior technician. I was actually the the director of that company. And so the next week he pulled services and told whoever that person was that he didn't want a Mexican providing services to his kiddo. And it suddenly, it made me think like it suddenly wasn't fine once he found out that I had a role of authority. Like everything was good when I was a behavior technician. But once he found out that I was an authority, like, oh, no, 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 we you know, she can't make decisions about, you know, my child. So I'm not sure exactly what the problem is, but the only thing I could piece together is that potentially maybe he has a personal experience or he was raised a certain way. So using that same relational frame that I was just talking about with 9-11, this is sort of how I piece it together. And guys, again, tell me if if this is not making sense. So you got your triangle, At the top of your triangle, stimulus A. So let's say that is women and immigrants taking jobs away from white men. Let's just say that that's something he was raised with, something his, you know, history taught him, something that, um, you know, his peers reinforced. So that's stimulus A. Stimulus B, feelings of anger and justice, maybe created by media, personal experience. And then you have stimulus C, me. I'm the director of the center. So The only thing I could think of is that there's a possible relationship that's been derived from A, 
Hispanic women taking jobs and C, me being a Hispanic woman, woman in a power of authority. So I could be other things like formal similarities. I'm a woman. I'm Hispanic. Maybe he thinks I'm from Mexico. You know what I mean? Like there could have been other things going on. But all I know is that wasn't a coincidence. And it was the first real time in my behavior analytic career that I was treated differently, not by the quality of services I provided, but simply because what I looked like and whatever those experiences were. And I just, I have to ask you guys, like, have you guys ever experienced anything like that where you're working with the family or, you know, in your, what, you know, whatever capacity, and then they find just such a trite trait. It doesn't even matter. It has nothing to do with the quality of your work. And then all of a sudden you're not good enough. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, for the longest time, you know, there's a difference between like race and gender and sexual orientation. Like to some degree I can hide that and I can choose to conceal what I would want to. And so, um, for the longest time I did just out of, um, you know, fear, I think. And, and the second I would let some of that stuff go, or, um, you know, I'd get so fed up with having to not, to not be able to be authentic. I think, um, I, was when I started to contact some of those things and um, whether it was subtle or not, uh, oftentimes they would never come out and say it, but they would call and they would ask for somebody else. Um, or, and I just read on online, this stuff happens all the time, people with uh, sexuality or, um, you know, and it's like, we're supposed to, we are supposed to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disclose our sexuality. Like it's something yeah. that we have to say. It's like, you all don't have to say that you're straight when you go in and work with a family, but for some right. reason it's like, oh, well, why didn't you tell that family or why did you tell them that you're, you're gay or that you're, you know, or, or whatever your sexual orientation or your gender is. And, and so, um, but yeah, I think for, for me, I've certainly, I've been asked to leave um, and I've had companies back that up, but it's, it comes out of prejudice and not wanting their kids to be raised around those um, morals and values of a, you know, a, a person, you know, uh, of my uh, background. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely experienced things like that. And um, yeah, Denisha. Yeah. Um, so I think, met. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, this is the conversation we were having, which is how we uh, got connected. But um, I, in my situation, it's been removal from cases without being told why. And so, you know, it's just, I think that this is such an important conversation because we keep having this conversation and it yes. has to, it has to continue to, to be had until yeah. we get to a consensus that it is not okay to discriminate mm -hmm. with the BACB. When we have the one discrimination clause, like it's clear, <laughs> right? And so to allow our clients or to allow whoever to discriminate based on um, someone's social identity, mm -hmm. it's still happening. And mm -hmm. we're still confused. We're still thinking that we have to protect a business or protect the client's feelings versus protecting the individual who is being told that, you know, because of your identity, this mm -hmm. person no longer wants to work with you, or they're asking to create a new rule specifically for you because of right. that. Right. Um, and so, um, one, I guess just letting it be known that that's, it's not okay. Number one, like talk to your clients, let them know that we're not removing individuals that, I mean, that's my go-to. We're not removing individuals based on your comfortability with their identities. Like this is going to be in 
everyone's included here. Um, but we have to get on common ground as behavior analysts. And absolutely, it's occurred. It's happened. I've had situations where I worked with individuals and I've been called, you know, names that mm -hmm. I shouldn't be called. Um, and so there's where's the oversight in terms of individuals who have organizations when mm -hmm. we don't know what to do when this. Well, and I think what's even more happens. interesting is you have other behavior analysts that are like this too. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and that's part of why I wanted to talk about this today is because I think it's important that we need to be clear about how we're using our language and how the consequences that there are for it, you know? So like, okay, so I'm going to talk about social communicative behaviors, right? So you have speech, you, it's face-to-face, -face, there's an immediate consequence. So if someone doesn't like something you say, they make a face or they turn away, like there's a consequence if they don't like something that you just said, but you can be flexible. You see someone kind of wincing, then maybe you can kind of change how you're talking, but that only happens with face-to-face -face speech, you know? Now you got a whole nother world of social media and language and things like that. So it's online. There's a delay between what the speaker wrote and the listener. You know, I don't know about you, but like if I'm in a quarrel with somebody, I, I do some quick fact checks and write something and then delete it. And then da -da 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 -da. I mean, I don't just put it right there because I got to make sure I read it about 10 times before I post it. So I know for sure. You know what I mean? And more importantly, it's a permanent product. Like once you put it out there, it's out there like forever. You know, like Sally Sue. Sorry to anyone named Sally. Like you can't take away what you just said. You know, like that teacher in Fort Worth, I mean, bless her heart, man. She thought she was talking directly to the president. You know, it's like you you put it out there. It's there forever. You know, like, sorry. But because of that, there's consequences. So like consequence, consequences of speech, you can a power, you can establish a power differential between self and other. Um, it could unite people. It could turn into harassment. And there's a point, and I've had lots of these situations, I'm sure you guys have too, that it can become no longer a give and take conversation. Meaning that like you say something and then the listener, it doesn't want to hear it. And it turns into like a fight or flight reaction. Like they're going to respond to you and it's going to be negative or they're going to try to figure out a way to get out of it. So, you know, like there is consequences for when you say things, but you know, with written language, it's a little bit different, right? So like you can still unite people, um, but it leaves what you're saying open to interpretation. Like how many times have you guys seen something on Facebook or whatever, and they write something and the other person says something and the other person's like, oh, that's not what I meant, you know? And I'm thinking, no, you, you, you wrote what you meant the first time, you know what I mean? <laughs> but at that point, it becomes an EO for worsening conditions, like threats of violence. Like there was uh, a kid, I don't remember what state it was, but he was he was attempting, he was targeting, oh, he was um, uh, arrested for threatening violence against, uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember what group it was, a certain group. And they found like a bunch of chats that he was in that he was saying stuff and that people were like encouraging him. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I think what's happening is that people are using certain words and then it's being actualized. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there are consequences. Um, 
there's just so much, man. (laughs) There's just just so much. So have you all, I have a, I have a question for you. Have you all found any benefit to, to talking about these types of topics online, like on social media or anything? I think it depends on the audience for me. Yeah. So you can either get your sounding board, like everyone's like, yeah, it's totally agree, you know, but to have like a, a meaningful conversation with individuals online. Um, yeah, I, it really, I'm not, I'm not really too sure about that. I think it really just depends on the individual person, but we have no way to assess what that's really like. Like as this person just say, wow, you've it opened my eyes, even lightened me because they also, oh you know, this conversation yeah. has become aversive to them. So now they need right. to escape from it. Or have you made, you know, meaningful ground here? And yeah. so not really sure. For me, I tend every once in a while, I get on Facebook or something I'm, and I'll give a long post and then that'll be it. Like I, I mm-hmm. just don't have the time or mental energy to give out to having uh, internet conversations that are extensive because there's so much to be missed. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. AJ. Yeah. <laughs> you got somebody knocking on your door. I know. Oh. Jordan, I'll be out in a second, honey. Sorry, uh-huh. Alan. We may have to skip. It's all good. No, uh, <laughs> dude, I like the real life stuff. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, you can keep that in, Alan. <laughs> I like it. It's for this real. This is the no, like- mama. Here, for, <laughs> for real there you go there's your play no like but this is uh, for real like we're doing there's three of us and we're, we're fitting this in to have these conversations um but today like I, I was having this thought of I don't know if I was reminiscing Denisha like when I met you and all of the events that surrounded those four days mm-hmm. and um I don't know AJ if you know that but it was the act boot camp and there were just there, mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that that mm-hmm. happened um you know back in 2018 and and I think we are having a conversation on the contrast between having that moment versus conversations online and how yeah. in that moment, in that room, you can feel the energy and out of that. And I was like, look what came out of that. Like yeah. you and Denise, Denisha and Evelyn have this partnership where you're putting on trainings about privilege and power and oppression, and all that. We started a podcast, like we're having these great conversations, like mm-hmm. we're going to publish papers and all this from that, from from that experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've never gotten anything like that from some conversation and competing with somebody and giving my opinion online. Like I find no value to that. Well, and I think there comes a point when people have to be open, like you have to be open to the conversation. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. like I have like, uh, just going back to Facebook, like I have people that are very different for me, but I want to hear their perspective. So I don't delete them. You know, like I want to know, am I, what do you think about something? But I'm also open to having a conversation about right. it. You know, if if there's certain people that just like, this is what I believe and this is what it is, you know, I, I, trying to convince someone who's not ready to have that conversation. And I feel like that's a lot of what happens on the internet, you know, and it doesn't really matter the the, the group, even if it's a bunch of educated people, it really, it doesn't matter. There's gonna be that one person you know, that may say something and may genuinely even mean it. Like, well, tell me more about that. And then you're going to have 500 people. Well, what do you mean? You don't know, you know, and it just turns into skating the real issue, you know? So I don't know. I, I think that it's important to get the information out there. I think it's important to build rapport with people that think differently so that you can get buy-in to have those conversations. You know, I mean, it, 
we're never going to connect if we don't find uh, some sort of common ground, you know? So I think that's what's important important about, you know, this project here is that it's, you know, it's, it's called beautiful humans. Everyone can connect with that, you know? So I don't know. I think that's important. And while we're talking about terminology, what a great segue <laughs> into the next section. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's Before stop. we do that. There we yeah. go. It's a perfect time to pause and give yeah. a code word. You just gave us, you know, I feel like we're learning a lot about you. Um, and I would like to take this time to just kind of introduce to our listeners um, our keyword. So if you are wanting to get CE credit from our shows, you will need to jot down the keywords that we give. And so this is a long drawn out explanation the very first time we're doing it. But moving forward, they will just pop in. Um, so the first keyword for tonight is running back. AJ, do you want to tell us a little bit about why we chose that? Sure. So something interesting about me is when I was in high school, I um, accidentally signed up for a conditioning camp uh, over the summer and I didn't realize it was all for football players. Of course, they didn't, you know, advertise it that way. I played sports and I needed to do something over the summer. So I ended up training with uh, the football team and I ended up being faster and stronger than a lot of the males on the team. And so the coach jokingly was like, oh, you should try out. And I was like, okay. And then I realized like, why not? You know, like I am stronger than you. I am faster than you. And it could be a message to somebody else that maybe wants to. So I tried out and I was on the JV team as a running back for a little bit. And I didn't leave because of any social pressure. I left because I liked volleyball better. But uh, it was a good experience. And I thought it uh, it was just a way to just like middle finger to the patriarchy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure the people that you know from high school still consider you to be like badass. We had, <laughs> right. I'm sure, like we had one girl that was on our football team in, in high school as well. And that's how I still like, we talk about ROC, that's enough. <laughs> That's what I come up with when I think about her. Like she was super dope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had like a... people to think that I was super nice and you know, all that, but that's okay. They can think I'm scary too. That's fine. I don't think badass okay. is scary at all. Is that what comes to mind? <laughs> For some wrong people? wrong yeah. frame, wrong frame. Oh, <laughs> your frame? <laughs> For some people, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm intimidating and I'm mm. just like, quiet and reserved but that to them is like that's off-putting you know like it's I, I'm not approachable in that way when I don't know I think you all would say differently yeah but, oh, yeah but intimidating and like that whole badass thing like that for some people that does it's um it's not a good thing it's like confrontational it's it's like I don't know is it only is it because it's associated with a woman being called badass do you think that has or probably just the word in general okay yeah probably Honestly, I just don't have time. I just need to tell you. If I got a problem, I just need to say it. If that mm -hmm. makes me confrontational. Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, what? I just say like, I got all these kids to take care of. I got like 500 kids, a full-time job. Like, you know, I just do I just don't have the time to waste. But um yeah, so I'm going to get back to uh 
terminology real quick, because I think this is important kind of moving forward with this conversation is, so when I was prepping for this, I just, I typed in, I Googled alien, the word alien in terms of immigration. And the most common metaphors were immigrants as aliens, flood of immigrants and invasion. And so you have the first that's related to aliens as being not belonging, like this otherness, um, aliens as illegal, when really, if you really do your research, there's a lot of immigrants that come for family purposes or fear of persecution, or they have visas that just expired. So really, that's pretty inaccurate to say or to equate those two things together. And then I took it a step further and I thought, okay, well, if illegal equals criminal, and alien equals stranger, then illegal alien turns into criminal stranger. If you think about it, like that's what's been paired essentially. Um, and then unfortunately, and maybe this just may be my perspective because I'm here in the South, but when people hear the term alien, they more so think of Mexican. They don't think of Venezuelan. They don't think of, you know, all of these other countries that people are coming from, you know? And so I, uh, I was doing some research on this and I was thinking, okay, well, what, what's in, what's written in federal law? Like, how do we get here? And so I found an article that talked about using the metaphor alien. Uh, and there was one that analyzed 4,200 documents from 1965 to now. And again, these are federal law documents. 88% of them use the term alien. 12% used immigrant. 69% used illegal alien and less than 1% used unauthorized immigrant. So if you got the people at the top putting these words specifically in these documents with all of these people in authority that are using that same terminology. It's just, it's continuous pairing. Like it's written in the documents. You know what I mean? And so I just, I think that part of that has been established over time. Um, and so then, so that's alien, right? Okay. So now we've got illegal. And I have to just take a second and say that it kills me when people say, illegals, like when they refer to people as illegal, because no human is illegal. Um, their behaviors may be illegal, but like, it's the same kind of thing when, um, like, so I work with the, you know, children on the autism spectrum. When people say, oh, autistics, you work with autistics. It's like, no, they are children who have autism. You know, it's like they forget to put the person, the humanhood in there. And that just kills me. And so I thought, okay, well, to that end, if we're talking about people that engage in illegal behaviors, then we should also call rapists, murderers, and drug dealers illegals too, because technically they're engaging in illegal behavior as well. You know, I mean, if we're really going to go there and, and I have, and I have, you know, I mean, it, it's like, we just pick and choose what's comfortable. Um, so I don't know. Is that something that you guys have heard? Is it something, I don't know if the, the groups that you hang with or in the news or what your kids come home and tell you or your friends or whatever, like using those specific terms, illegals, alien, illegal alien, like people in your immediate circle. I hear, um, gosh, I don't know. I've started to like really weed out people. 
<laughs> and cut the tie. I seriously, like, I'm trying to think like immediate circles. I think I'd have to go back. Um, but it could be family too. Yeah. I, I think the term illegals does come up a lot. If I'm thinking about family, um, all those terms, I've heard those definitely. Yeah. Common like with whether it's um family members or people in the past um you know that i no longer have contact with and mm -hmm. for good reason mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and I, say, I haven't heard that terminology from people in my space or even like close proximity to my space mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i've heard just differences in description so what you said earlier aj is how people automatically assume when we're talking about the immigration issue that we're talking about mexicans Right. You know what I mean? And so that's what I've heard um, around folks that are in proximity to. Um, but the language of alien. No. I don't, and you know what? I would be really curious to kind of like see a breakdown of like, I don't know. We probably don't have it. But demographically, like, you know, are there certain states or areas, rural areas that use mm -hmm. that language more? Because um, I'm more so in city areas and I don't hear alien necessarily, but I still do hear, mm -hmm. you know, uh, disparaging information or even mm -hmm. wrong information about mm -hmm. the issue at hand. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no, yeah, I, it may I be demog live demographic and, and I, so I just moved to Florida. Um, so I'm not, like, I'm still getting the lay of the land down here. But um, I used to live in West Virginia, like the uh, panhandle of West Virginia. So it was, um, so I would work in Virginia, like Northern Virginia, um, but like apple, uh, mar uh, like fields and farms were huge up there. And so mm -hmm. um, that sort of language was just running rampant in terms mm -hmm. of like the community in terms of like, okay, um, it's apple picking season. All the illegals are going to come in and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to hire all the illegal, like that word. I remember like you're saying that and I was, I can, I can hear that. Um, or illegal aliens. I don't think ever just aliens in general, but there was always some like illegal. Mm -hmm. It was never undocumented. It was always illegal. That was, um, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I would think where I'm from, it would, in that same context that you just gave Aaron, I would hear something like Mexicans are going to come. Yes. Take mm -hmm. the jobs. Definitely. Yeah. Mexicans. Mm -hmm. It was always that. Yes. Um, and specifically <laughs> that would be language mm -hmm. that I would hear. No. Yeah. Well, and that's crazy. Like you're giving very specific examples, you know, <laughs> like, and they're not there. It's not from like 12 years ago. You know, I mean, it's pretty recent. So, yeah, I think that's the first step is really. And, and this is really my challenge to behavior analysts, to us as humans, whoever is listening to this, because it's not just like a certain type of group of people. It's it's anyone, right? Like the first step is assessing your own public behavior. Like, do you do this on accident? Are you aware? You know what I mean? Um, do your friends, like I was just asking you guys, like, is anyone in your circle using language like this? Because you may have that one friend that just like is not politically correct. They just can't get it together, but they're loyal. You know what I mean? Like, if you, I know Denisha is shaking like, her head. Nope, sure don't. Yeah. I, can't so out here, so. I really don't. I, I, I've talked a lot on this show about how I just don't have time for it. So right. uh, <laughs> it's that person Sorry, that people say are like not. well intentioned. And it's like the person yeah. they keep around, they're so well, you know, and it's like that yeah. one pocket where it's like, ah, if I could just get you over this hump, you'd be like the coolest person ever. But it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with Denisha too. It's like, eh. I can't, I can't do it. I can't. No, I know. Well, and the yeah. other thing too is like being as a listener, like how do you react 
when you see or hear these words because it takes a lot of response effort to say something like you have to you have all these private events like should i say something do i let it go but if i let it go then they don't have an opportunity you know it's like do you want to go through that so right so i'm in houston texas and anyone that's well i i'm going to speak for my people that it's interesting here in texas because you have different types of hispanics so you've got your Hispanics that speak Spanish. You've got your Hispanics that don't speak Spanish. And they all stereotype against each other and discriminate against each other. So growing up, my parents spoke Spanish to each other when they didn't want us to learn, I mean, to understand what they were saying. So I know like all the cuss words, right? <laughs> but my Spanish is just conversational. It's, my English is very good, but my Spanish is just okay. So growing up, I was too Hispanic to be friends with white people. And I wasn't Hispanic enough to be friends with other Hispanic people. So to assimilate with a group, cause you know, when like you're a teenager, like you just want to belong somewhere, you know, you're still trying to figure yourself out. Like what I would do with my white friends is I took knocks at myself. Like I would say like, Oh man, you think I'd be better at cleaning? I'm Mexican, you know? And by doing that, they would laugh. I would laugh. The tension's gone. But the problem is that by doing that, I was reinforcing all these stereotypes about my own culture. You know what I mean? And looking back at it now, I know that I did it because I wanted friends. But as I'm older, I'm like, no. And I've always been kind of proud about myself as a woman, you know, as a female, as like gender, like don't tell me what I can't do as a woman. But when you're in this specific kind of culture and it's like even your own people judge you in a certain way. It's, it's, it's hard not to acknowledge that, you know what I mean? So it's not just like, are you using these words? It's, I think this is more challenging is when you hear people around you, do you want to pick that battle? Are you willing to pick that battle? Sometimes it's not worth it. Like they're a stranger or they're just like a friend of a friend and you don't want to go there. And then sometimes like you do know this person, you know, that you're going to see them again and you do want to inform them. Like they need to know. You know, right, right, guys. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. No, well, you had said something. Hello. No, you're no. My brain starts going. You said something yeah. about um, <laughs> earlier. You said something about power, um, and I think about power power dynamics when that comes in. It's like if I'm at work or or something. Maybe not not so much now, but maybe back. You know, at agencies that I've worked at that have had. Um, you know, very high tiers. And if I was to hear my boss say something like that, like I, it's not safe to, to say that I could lose my yeah. job. And at that point yeah. I was like the sole um, provider for, for uh, uh, all my kids. And, and it's just like, you know, you start weighing, um, is it safe to say something like that because of that power dynamic there? So I think mm -hmm. sometimes that plays a, plays a role in it too. I don't know. Yeah. No, I assure you, I was listening. I was just thinking, I was like, Hmm, how is yeah. that showing up? When would I say something? When wouldn't I? So I was thinking, and this is kind of off topic, um, but while you were speaking about, you know, in-group issues and and really what you're uh, labeling, right, um, is that like the dynamics that occur. I'm thinking about, I started to think about my group um, and how we've like kind of regurgitated, not kind of, we have mm -hmm. regurgitated the mm -hmm. messages um, and, you know, we call that internalized depression. And what happens, you know, when people label like, you know, not feeling, um, black enough for my group, mm -hmm. definitely too black for, uh, white people. Um, I was just starting to think about like, 
what tends to happen in our community is like, um, and I don't know if, if you could speak to this either, AJ, but I feel like a lot of times we end up looking at, I mean, and this is just looking at white as like the standard, right? And so mm-hmm. we're willing to kind of like reduce who we are, make jokes about ourselves, but like white is going to be like, right. And no matter, so it could be, you don't speak enough Spanish, but um, say to a person who is not um, Latinx or Hispanic, um, but they're white and they attempt and they say like grassy ass or whatever, but uh, like, (laughs) do you find that that still is okay to like, you know, your folks were like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, let's say, and I don't want to just name off just like stereotypical stuff, but let's say I, um, say something that's a colloquialism in my community and it's like wrong. And it's like, uh, uh-uh, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. But if, you know, somebody that is white tries to even attempt it, it's like, oh, that, you know, they're kind of cool. Like it's, it's still going back to the standard of like, white is right, no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get like kind of the benefit of the doubt versus, you know, you know, there's this harsh uh, reality. And I don't want to um, skim over that without once again, dropping the term internalized oppression, because I'm not creating a way that um, sounds like accusatory over marginalized folks and for folks in my community or your community as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is stuff mm-hmm. that we learn. But do you notice like that trend that white people kind of can skate, or, skate around um, with yes. just like bare minimum of whatever? Oh, yeah. So I went on a, a vacation with one of my best friends and I love her. And even if she was listening, I'd say this to her face, so it's fine. Um, she had, <laughs> it's true. I don't she doubt had, you that you would. That's the thing. You're so direct. <laughs> <laughs> so she's amazing. She has her master's degree in English, Spanish teaching, and she's like clear. She's so white. So she speaks perfect Spanish, right? So we're in Mexico and she's with her husband. I'm with mine. And we sit down at a restaurant and the waiter looks at me and starts speaking Spanish, you know, and I'm just kind of looking at him like, Oh, sorry, you know? And, and then she starts answering, you know, and they start making jokes and he's laughing and she's laughing. And then he kind of looks at me and just like shakes his head. And like on the inside, I'm like, damn it. Another loss to my culture. You know what I mean? Like it's okay because she speaks Spanish, but you, you should know better, you know? So I get that stuff all the time. Like people here joke about it. Like, oh, you don't speak Spanish. Like, oh, you must be ashamed. Ha 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 ha. It's like, well, like really? Come on. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like you're not yeah. going to be enough for this culture. You're just because you exist. You're not going to be enough over here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I understand. And I I'll take it like, I have, I've been like that with, um, some of my friends that are Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been like, oh, you don't speak Spanish. But my first immediate thing is that not, not one that I'm just asking out the blue, like, oh, you don't speak Spanish. Like I know that they don't speak Spanish. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, but I immediately feel bad because I think about the history of this country that forced individuals that came over here, Mm -hmm. um, or was forced over here to assimilate. That's right. And you can't speak Spanish if you or you can't speak your Mm -hmm. uh, native tongue because you want to survive here. And so that's immediately like what my mind goes 
to, and I'm just like, I, I get upset because I get upset a lot. You know, just the fact mm-hmm. that that's the historical component of it, that um, people's parents who were first generation came over there and they were able to keep their language, but they wanted quote unquote better for their children uh-huh. and decided you don't need, you don't need this part of our culture. You're going to no, do better if you I, speak English. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, in hindsight, I've never asked my parents why they didn't directly teach us, my sister and I, Spanish. But in thinking about it, I mean, they both grew up in a very discriminatory time. You know, my dad, he was like one of the only Hispanics at Caltech. And he was told straight up by his high school teachers he was going to be a nobody. He wasn't going to do anything because he's a Mexican from, you know, from nowhere, San Antonio, you know what I mean? And so it's, I could see, I could see that point to that end that they're just like, you know what, let's just make sure that you can go here, have these opportunities. That is just another way that you could be considered too Hispanic, you know, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I've never asked them that, but I'm wondering if that's what the justification is, but and I still get all the time, you know, AJ, you don't speak Spanish. You know, and it, I can't help but have like a private event, like of shame, you know, like I don't and I do and I'm going to learn. But that's because I want to not because societal pressures. But uh, this is a good this is a good segue, actually, into the second the second name or the word. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. Yes. It's perfect. It's it like perfect. perfect. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk. Our second keyword is merit. And yes. you want to talk to us about why Hang on, spell that? Yes. Spell so, that. M-E-R-I-T. There you go. So I was talking about my parents and they're very special people. I love them. Uh, My dad has two PhDs. My mom has her MBA. She's started her own company. They're very big into education and working for what you have. Like you can't just get things just because you think you're owed them or whatever. And she named me, I, my, my legal name is Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, but I changed it to AJ. I'll get to that in a second. But um, she named me Adrian, so with the boy spelling, so that when I submit a resume for work that they can't, they don't know if I'm a man or a woman. So they have to judge me by the merit of the work that's on the resume. And when I was younger, I, I didn't understand that. You know, I'm like, it's a boy's name. I have a boy's name, you know. But now that I'm older, I'm like, that is freaking badass, man. And so my daughter, she has a gender ambiguous name, too, because it's like I, we don't need another thing to be knocked for. You know what I mean? Like, let's just let, let it be about the work. Let it be about the quality and your merits and your education. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather give her a leg up and that way. So I want to break down all the barriers that require people to have to shift from how they want to name their kids to <laughs> having to do things like that. And, and, and no, no shade or harm for I, I get it. Like, it, it's it's part. It happens. It's part of um, our stories. Like, my name is Denisha. You have never met anyone else from another race uh, named Denisha. It's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, and it's something that we, especially uh, folks in my community, like, you know, there's so many jokes about our names and, and like for us to have to shift, like, 
what is important to us. For some mm -hmm. reason, somebody thought about this name, like they named you and called you specifically this thing. It was important to your parents for mm -hmm. a reason. And then mm -hmm. I have to like shift that because the world is going to judge you immediately as soon as they see your name on a job application. Mm -hmm. And we know that's true. And, and your mm -hmm. parents knew that was true. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's data that tells us that it's still true. <laughs> that's right. Um, so that's the hopeful part. I get angry, but I'm so hopeful that the world is going to change one day. And it will. It's already starting to. Can I mark yeah. that down as one of your rants, Denisha? Yeah. Is this number one? <laughs> this number one. I think I've been doing would, good on the rants lately. She's been doing great. I don't, I, you know what? She's teaching. She's reframing. Oh, I love it. You I know? look forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's my oh, thing. I love it. This is why I keep right. my friends circled down because they can't they can't handle me ratting all day. <laughs> you, you know, speaking of speaking of names, um, I I had uh, reached I, I changed the um, I haven't legally changed it yet, but changed the spelling of my name. Yes. Um, because there was that stimulus control of what yes. people are talking about. When you hear that name, you automatically gender somebody. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't like that that was happening. Clearly, there's a good reason. Um, and so I, I switched it. I've never seen that spelling before of, um, with an A for Aaron mm -hmm. instead of an E. Um, mm -hmm. But because it was going to even just that pause for a moment, just be like, hmm, I don't know. And as far as like, I don't know mm -hmm. which direction to go, just mm -hmm. to make somebody mm -hmm. to stop and think. Um, but so I understand there's there's value um, to that for sure. Well, and even then, like it's been a really great way to get someone thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like so we, like we were talking earlier about having conversations with people like how do you get started? How do you you know, do you want to pick it? You know, and I can't tell you how many times that someone will say, oh, I thought you were a man. And then I tell them that story and then they feel stupid. You know, it's like, but it's not until they really think like, oh, wow. Oh, man. OK. You know, like you got to start somewhere. So I don't know. For, for me, it's been, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I was just saying that I just think it for me, it's been a way to just personally keep the value of of equality you know like teaching someone else like there is a reason for this like you were afforded uh a privilege of having the name i don't know samuel you know like that you know no no shade to my sams out there but it's like if you have the name samuel people are going to be like huh is that you know what right. I mean? Right. So, but yeah. and so I I've liked that because I've been able to use it in situations. So, I don't know. That's been helpful for me. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Yeah. When you said <laughs> so, your parents named you Adrian, um, in like you know societal boy spelling, I was like, wait, what's the stereotypical girl spelling? I was like, oh, it's the it's the N N E. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? It's like, okay. A D R I E N N E. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. It took me a second, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Adrian." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I I changed my name to AJ when I was in first grade because I just wanted to be different, and because I was mad that I had a boy's name. And then it's funny because like AJ's not any. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just it's just like stuck with me since and so only my family calls me Adrian and they're the only ones that I like to call me Adrian like if they call me AJ I'm like nope mm -mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. or if they call me AJ you know I'm like that's not right 
I'm Adrian. You got to call me Adrian. But <laughs> anyway, so um, so the first step is become aware how you receive it, how you're giving it. And the second step is like once you're aware, differentially reinforcing those inclusive behaviors, you know, like beginning with your own words. You can't control what other people are going to say, um, although I do think body language does play a role you know like if someone is good at picking up on social cues and they start talking crazy and you kind of look down or look away or something like that like i do think that would be a good natural way to start a conversation if they can pick up on that now not everybody does but you know i i'm trying to give the audience something that they could do if they if they're not the kind of people that can just straight up say well i don't know about that you know what i mean like if you if you just kind of make a face or tilt your head just like mm, that might be enough for the other person, the listener to say, oh, okay, let me, let me become a little bit more aware of what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? They're either going to like start pedaling back or they're going to ask a question, you know what I mean? But it's a good way to, you know, differentially reinforce different behaviors, different verbal behavior. So, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Denisha said something during our Thanksgiving episode where even just asking further clarifying questions with the hope that they might hear what they're saying, like, you know, like, oh, yes. hear what they're saying yeah, out loud. I love like, that. Hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's funny because I do that at work all the time. Oh, Miss AJ, um, I was wondering if we could blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, so what you're saying is and I literally repeat back what they said and then they go, Oh, okay. You know, and so it's to it could be like totally punishing or a great learning opportunity. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's just and it's a good check to you know. Sometimes we talk, and even though we know that we're talking to individuals, it's like, do people forget that people are actually listening to you? Yes, and we we hear you, so we're restating what you said, and then and now you hear yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this whole circle of life thing that's happening here. Yes. Yes. No, that's so true. That's so true. But I think it's a good way, like, like I said, to differentially reinforce it. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So the next step is expanding your frames, right? So creating these new pairings, stimulus transfers. So let, so let's say like if immigrant is paired with illegal and there's a negative connotation, maybe there was some bad experience, but do some research, go on a community outreach so that you can reform the verbal relation, you know, with some new experiences, you can associate undocumented immigrants, um, you know, economic, sorry, economic uh, sanctuary, like you'll have new pairings if you just put yourself in situations in order to have those new pairings. You know, if you're surrounding yourself around the same stimuli all the time, it's never going to happen. So that was uh, something we were thinking about. The other one is uh, is more of an act-based idea, which is just implementing mindfulness, right? So like, let's say you are aware that you have stereotypes. Okay, accept them. You have them. All right, don't deny them. They exist. But instead of just totally ignoring them, um, just add on to it. Right. So let's say that uh, the word immigrant is currently paired with illegal alien other. OK, fine. All right. So you accept that. That's part of your repertoire. Acknowledge it. But expand your experience with education on different cultures. Like, you know, I had I'm going to tell the story about 
this this client that I worked with for a few years, and uh, his dad was very conservative. He um, he he was handicapped. And so we would have to bring his son out to his car. And so we opened the car door and he'd be blaring these podcasts with, uh, oh, wait, who am we saying hi to? Hi. <laughs> they can't hear. She can't hear you all, but. Oh, that's hi. Kristen. That's Kristen. Kristen. I'll narrate her. She's popping her head out. I got, I got water. Delivered. She's delivering I'm water. Struggling up in here. Why, why can't she get her own water? <sighs> okay. No, Kristen was delivering the water. Kristen oh, was delivering water to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. I was like, that's a little weird. All right. No, no. No judgment, would, but a little, but a little judgment. What would be weird is like, where would Aaron get the water supply while they're right here talking about Oh, us? right. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're a pro at no, this. No. no, I've got water delivery service. Oh, Listeners are probably like, what just happened? That's so sweet. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So, so this dude's dad, right? Very conservative, handicapped. So I would, uh, bring his son out to him and, you know, other people did too. And whenever you open the door, he'd be blaring these podcasts or whatever with just like super conservative stuff. Um, and there was a time that the director I've told, I've told you Aaron a little bit, uh, about her, but she is um she's an immigrant from Nigeria and she's very uh, culturally aware and a lot of the women on our staff are are Hispanic and so one day she's bringing him out to the dad's car and she opens the door and he's blaring this podcast about building the wall and things like that and so she just kind of casually asked him like well, what do you think about that i said because and she said because you know most of the staff that we have here are Hispanic. Like Miss AJ, the one you work with, she's Mexican. And he goes, oh, well, she's a good Mexican, so that's okay. So is was that good? No, not necessarily, but also kind of because he's he has reframed. He's created a new pairing. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm digging. I'm going for a silver lining here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but But it did make me think like, okay, what? But by his association with me, his positive experiences with me teaching his son, now he has a new association with what he may have otherwise considered that Mexicans are only this or they're only that. Well, they're also behavior analysts that work with children with autism. You know what I mean? So it'll take a lot more work for him to get, you know, where he needs to be. But at least it was a place to start. Yeah. So I, I hear the, that, like, add in more um, information inside of that frame. I'm wondering, uh, AJ, and, and you don't have to speak to it if you um, if you don't want to, but where is then, that adds on to it, like, I see this person, oh, okay, Mexicans are not just X, Y, and Z, they're this. Is it that, or does it just, or is it like, and you're not related to this group, you happen mm. to be Mexican. So now, it's, is it, mm -hmm. like, where does generalization come in? Um, to the equation, because it almost can be similar to, you know, tokenization, which is like that yep. one good one, you know, we get to put you above the rest and say like, hey, look, I'm not racist, um, or I don't exhibit racist behaviors, because I know this great, this good one, like, you're, yeah, you know what I mean? And so like, what is the good one classified as? And then what are the bad ones classified as too? So. No, I think that, Oh, that is such a great point. No, I love that. And I think that it comes to just like continuous exposure. 
right? So I, I'm Hispanic and a lot of my technicians are Hispanic and a lot of the other behavior analysts on staff are Hispanic as well. So it's not like just me, the token Hispanic that's okay. You know what I mean? Like he's surrounded by Hispanic women, you know, and in Houston, there is a very large population of successful Hispanic communities. You know what I mean? So I think that just with continued exposure, you can create that pairing beyond the whole, oh, they're this, but you have the token good one. You know what I mean? Like if you're continuously, I don't want to, if you're continuously exposed to these other associations that it can break down that stereotype. So it's interesting. I think the Dixon article you, you referred to earlier, it, I think it talked about that as far as, um, you know, pulling in like, okay, somebody who is Middle Eastern can also be a teacher. They can also be a, a right. parent. They can also be, right. um, you know, a, a, I don't know, a community member of some sort. But um, but I also think, and I don't know if it was in that article or if it was in another book, they were saying that it also could potentially have the opposite effect where then people start to then take those same things and then put them under that same frame. And I think it all comes back to, it's like, what is their intent? Do they want to grow? Do they want to develop the skill? Mm -hmm. And do they, you know, or is it, they're just looking things to confirm their bias, you know? And, and mm. I, I don't know, I think it could, it, it depends on who the individual is and it can go one way or the mm -hmm. other. I know that specifically me, I've helped people grow um, in terms that have been extremely homophobic mm -hmm. um, and, um, are going to pride parades and all kinds of stuff. So I know mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. possible. It's mm -hmm. just, I think it's what other qualities are associated with. It? I think there's something too, that that has to be, um, a characteristic of that person, a value of that person or something mm. like that too. I don't know. Y'all, mm. y'all agree or, I mean, I don't know. It could be. I do. Like, no, no, yeah. no, <laughs> I do. I, I do agree. I think, but I just, I think it's, it's, it's experiences, it's exposure, it's um, media, it's, it's, you're getting opinions and perspectives at all angles. And mm -hmm. I think that it has to come with like a value of, of learning. Like if you like to learn, if you like to experience new things, then I could see that uh, being a lot be accepting being accepted a lot better but if you have someone that's just generally like i like what i like and that is what it is you may not get there you know they it more or it may take them longer to arrive there until they have a personal experience that makes them question you know what i mean so because that's really how it starts with a lot of things is you think something in particular until something happens and then you don't or you start to question it right you know, I mean, just think about like when you're in college and you're like, oh, I was raised this way. And then you're exposed to something. It's like, oh, well, maybe not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's why to me, too, it's important. Like we can take a functionally analytic approach at this because you are speaking to like the contingencies that are um, mm -hmm. happening. And so um, there are going to be competing contingencies for people. Oh, to yes. Put more information inside their frames. What gets mm -hmm. to have you I mean you talked about earlier, uh, the invasion, what happens when I continue to uh, stigmatize and put Mexicans in this group as other or alien mm -hmm. who gets to keep control? Like, you know what I mean? Who gets to be considered the, the best or whatever. That's just like a terrible word that just came to my mind. No, no, no. I, I understand. Mean, like the top of the, the hierarchy. And so, being you we have to continue to 
to one, recognize that there is a system in place that also <laughs> recognizes like, and yes. also recognize like the functions that are behind it. Like people are actually standing um, to gain from making sure that you are put to the outskirts or, yes. you, you know, people are considered less than. Yes. And so I'm, I'm going to read something to you that Megan wrote in the original um, talk, because I think it kind of speaks towards what we're talking about here that she, she asked, is it possible that a reinforced verbal behavior repertoire, a learning history and emotionally charged statements of people in power can result in derived relations that immigrants are invading America and must be stopped by lethal force? So you have those three things. And if they are a perfect mixture for someone that is very vulnerable, you say they're invading America, then you can have the people that are acting out with lethal force because they feel like they're doing something about it. You know what I mean? So, but I think that those things, those three things, a verbal behavior repertoire, a learning history, and then you have people at the top giving very strong emotional language to reinforce those things. People are going to say and act a certain way because of that. No, I can, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was replaying those three things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. The third bird cage <laughs> is the last word. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I make fun of my husband all the time because, like, he grew up watching Disney movies and, like, the appropriate movies you're supposed to watch as a young child. But I grew up watching princess bride and bird cage and tommy boy and uh <laughs> mrs doubtfire like i mean those those were my movies so one of my favorite movies to this day is is bird cage and that was like my first early exposure you know that like a man can marry a man a woman can marry a woman so i basically learned that at like four um which I'm totally okay with. Like I have <laughs> no no problem. That's how I was raised. But that's I just awesome. think I think that that's pretty funny that my parents did a lot of things intentionally, and I didn't realize it until I got much older. <laughs> that's a good movie. Robert, it's a Robin great Williams. Movie. Robin Williams is in that too. And then you mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire too, right? Is Robin Williams in Birdcage? Yeah, he's in Birdcage. Okay. Thank you. I'm picturing the, Lane. the front cover. Yes, thank you. Okay. You know, was there anything else that you wanted to leave our listeners with before we go ahead and wrap up? Take the challenge of assessing yourself first. And it's okay. Like there is no shame if you realize you've been saying something incorrectly. Like no one is going to come to your house and bang on your door and, and tell you you've been saying it wrong. Like that is the very first step is like accepting it and realizing it. And then the second thing is like, if you feel comfortable picking a place to start to have a conversation with someone else, even if for some people that means just like wincing, if someone says a certain trigger word, you know, like giving some sort of feedback, or if you're the person that's willing to pick that battle and say something, then do it. Like it's 2020 and we are still having these conversations. Like it is not going to get better until people change their response. So that is my call to action for our listeners. Love it. Erin, uh, do you have any homework? Oh, we goodness. like to give homework think, to our listeners. I like it. Yeah. So I think what really struck me earlier was the conversation about organizations um, and whether it's being asked to leave cases or um, them having your back, whatever it is, um, to really take a close look 
at the organization you're working for or with or in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and what is their commitment to that? You know, for me, it's, yes. I, I just w was in a group the other day and some, a parent had said that they did, they weren't comfortable with the RBT sexuality. And so they, they were having to have sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions in the hallway because the parents didn't want the RBT alone with their kid. And I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, wh why are you allowing that to happen? Like what, what message is that sending to, to the person that you're employing? And I, I just like the amount of stress that is associated with um, that. And then you're talking about like internalized oppression. And now you're thinking, am I not safe? Like, is there something wrong with me that I, that I'm going to like, I don't know. It's just so figure out like, have those conversations. If, if you're able to, I know it's a source of privilege to be able to, to talk to, Yes. people who run an organization to, yeah. to say that, but it's just like, find out what would happen if somebody asked, like, would you have my back? You know, where do yeah. we, I don't know. And oh. if you're a coworker, consider yourself, consider your behavior too. Would you have your coworkers back? If you, if you hear that that's happening at your organization, you know, a lot of times mm -hmm. we think about the people that are in the positions to make these decisions. And yeah, we should be thinking about them. Cause we know the power that comes with it, but mm -hmm. individual coworkers, if, if one of your coworkers is being targeted because of their social identity and you're not being targeted, it's likely you hold a position of power. Mm -hmm. So come on. And, uh, and, and I really, um, you Ooh, know, I heard I the New York that. there. Come on. <laughs> come on. I, you know, she needs, um, she needs her magazine and her coffee. <laughs> I don't have a full <laughs> New York accent. Cause I only lived there for five years, you know, <laughs> Missouri blood anyway so um <laughs> but no it's it's time for you to to say something in in some form mm -hmm. and i know that you know we we do tend to because we recognize that everyone has their own way of responding mm -hmm. um and we can individualize that um but i can't speak loudly enough for individuals mm -hmm. to push past their fear mm -hmm. speaking mm -hmm. up because you're resting in your privilege, like to, to yes. make a decision to say, if I'm going to say something right now, because your coworker can probably doesn't have the ability to say something because their job seems to be on the line. Right. Right. And so if they're, if your job is on the line, the level of love that I have for you is now my job is on the line. Cause then they're, mm -hmm. they're not going to take just one person out of here. They're going to need to get us all. And I really am the type of person you all, um, you know, I think I told the story before about me taking everybody with me, but, um, <laughs> but no, speak up um, for sure. We need people that are, are willing to say like, something's not right. You want my coworkers to go work in a hallway, but I'm not working right. in a hallway. Mm -hmm. Right. Are you actually, are you even just being like, so, so we're working in the hallways, right? Because I saw that so-and-so was, so I'm assuming I am too, right? Because right, then he put right, it. Right. Then you put it. And then, and then they told the parent that they were going to try to find another therapist, yeah. and that that was like a placeholder for that. And I'm just like, I just can't even imagine. You know, is yeah. Uh, imagine being yeah. that second therapist too. Like, oh, you're going to put me on this case because they didn't want to work with. Hmm. hmm. Right. Like I'm looking just, at. Just you. wait. Yeah. Just wait. Right. It's going to be something else. Yeah, now it's going to mm -hmm. be me. Right. And remember that. Oh, man, I need to find that quote, quote real fast. Y'all know the quote that I'm talking about? First they came for. Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, uh, but not not well enough to quote it. Same. Listen. All right. Oh, but here we go. First they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. 
Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Um, I think that was Dang. the original version. You've seen that in so many different ways, right? And if you mm -hmm, want to put that mm -hmm. to today, you, we have so many different. First, they, if we want to start talking about Trump's presidency, first they came for undocumented. Yeah, seriously. And I said nothing. Then they came for trans military mm -hmm. service people. And I said mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. Then they came for shithole countries black mm -hmm. countries and i said nothing then they mm -hmm. came for the muslims and i said nothing and now they're coming for me and so it's gonna happen and we need to love and protect one another we have nothing to lose but our chains angela davis <laughs> did i just end the show on that dang yes yes you did <laughs> i love it that's perfect quite a ride uh aj love you to pieces thank you so much Real. for doing this i know yes got a lot out of this because i did and um come back please oh yes. we need a round two please we need a round two we gotta yes <laughs> i would love to it's been an absolute honor thank you guys so much for inviting me yes you are very well, welcome to our beautiful humans thank you for being beautiful humans with us We'll see you on the next show. See you later. Hey, it's Denisha. And Erin. I just wanted to take the time here to let you know that if you're thinking about doing a podcast, there's a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Yeah, you know, uh, we probably would have never gotten the show off the ground if it wasn't for a uh, Pretty Easy Podcast. So Pretty Easy Podcast helps podcasters get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. Record from your home or your office or at the park. Pretty Easy Podcast caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. So if you have an idea for a show and you need someone to rely on to help you get it done, go to prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. Be heard and have some fun podcasting. You know you want to do it, so go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm -hmm.